0: there, welcome to the Real World NP podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com podcast.
1: Well hey there, it's Liz Rohr from Real World NP, and you're watching NP Practice Made Simple, the weekly videos to help save you time, frustration, and help you learn faster so you can take the best care of your patients. So I've been asked a lot about this topic, and that's the topic of time management and how to manage your time uh, better as a new nurse practitioner, and I have a lot of insight to share, so hopefully it's really helpful for you. In this video, I'm going to break it down in terms of the different ways to save time before the visit during the visit and after the visit, and hopefully the the different kind of hacks I have to share can be really helpful. Also, if there are things that I haven't shared in this video that you do that are really helpful for you, I'd love to hear from you, as the other nurse practitioners uh, who watch these videos would as well. So jumping in before the visit, the, the main thing that I did when I was a new nurse practitioner is looking patients up the night before, if you're lucky enough to be in primary care and not seeing urgent care patients, to kind of look and see what the patients are coming in for. You can do a brief review of their chart, so looking at their, I kind of do in this very systematic way. So I will look at their problem list. We have a problem list in my EHR. My last job just had their active diagnoses, whatever, however it looks for you, but whatever their diagnoses list says or their problem list says, their past medical history, past surgical history, family history, just taking a quick peek at those. And not going super into depth because you probably have 20 patients on your schedule and that's a lot of work to do the night before, but kind of just briefly looking like, what are their la- what are their problems? When were they last here? When were their last labs? Taking a quick peek at preventative. I mean, again, like this may not be at the top of your priority list when you're brand new, but in terms of holistic care, do the best you can, looking at their vaccines and their um, PAP and their colonoscopy and all that stuff. If you can, if not, just focus on why they're there. The next thing is to kind of think about what are the different, um, uh, measurement parameters that you have for the reason that they're coming in. So most of the time it'll be like a follow-up for diabetes or hypertension or something like that. Um, and kind of looking at like, what are the, what are the parameters you're looking for? Are you looking at their A1C? Are you looking at their, um, you know, renal function? Are you looking at their blood pressure? Like kind of just looking at those markers and thinking ahead, like kind of making a cheat sheet for yourself of the, oh, this patient's coming in for this. So check this lab and Things like that. So one quick note about uh, appointment notes. So um, uh, a lot of times, if you can look the night before at your chart, this is variable throughout any different clinic that I that I talk to people about. So if you look at their reason for a visit, it's very variable. If they're number one, if there's going to be something written. Number two, um, what it's going to say. So it's probably going to. It may be blank. It may say follow up. Uh, follow up for what? I don't know. And then it may say things like blue urine, uh, which is a true story from when I was a brand new grad. Um, that's a long story, but uh, it wasn't a physiologic. There was not. There's nothing that can cause you to have blue urine, as far as I understand. Um, but she it was a mental health related issue. But anyway, um, when you look at the reason for a visit, it may or may not be accurate. Um, You know, and that comes down to a number of things patients don't wanna say on the phone. And you're also asking non-clinical staff to ask clinical questions, so that can be a little bit challenging. So people really endeavor to ask those questions, but sometimes, Things come up, right? And then the other alternative scenario is that someone comes in and they have uh, decided that the problem they came in for is resolved, and they have something else to share with you, which happens like every single day, which was really stressful for me as a new grad. But you kind of just—that's just how it works. And you can hopefully work with your staff, um, working with your office, to see if you can consistently have a reason for a visit written down, so that you can prepare the night before. Like, okay, so if someone's coming on with shoulder pain. What are the what are the things I'm going to ask them? If it's diabetes, what am I going to ask? If it's you know things like that. Um, But yeah that's the really hard part about appointment visit notes um, that they're usually not that consistent so a couple of other notes before the visit so if you work with a medical assistant team um, or you work with your own medical assistant like that is the dream and i i loved that in my last job rose was amazing Love you, Rose, if you're watching this. Um, she is so good. So I would work with her and we would have a kind of a come up with a system. So she knew me, she got to know me and what my preferences were, but we also just had like a general system, right? And so hopefully your medical assistant can ask to save you some time in the visit. You know, they're smoking alcohol, um, uh, drug use status, um, reconcile their medications if they feel kind of like they have the knowledge and skills to do that, um, or just kind of like go through a list with patients and kind of check off or cross off or leave a question mark if the patient's not sure. And then another thing they can do is like, once they get to know you, or if there's standards that you have in your your clinic, you can have them do a urine dip, uh, if you have somebody with abdominal pain or an HCG uh, urine uh, pregnancy test for somebody who's coming for contraceptives, just like right off the bat without even asking questions. Another thing to think about is like PHQ-2 screening, like what are the things you can kind of come up with in terms of like the standards of practice of your clinic um, to have them help you with that? Because it's, I mean, keeping in mind that that takes a lot of time to do, but in that way, like you can be doing other things that are more like NP related um, while they're kind of doing that stuff to help you. Another thing to think about is not really pertinent in my clinic because most of my patients have illiteracy um, and low health literacy, but it really depends on the clinic and the, and the type of patients you're working with. But if you can have forms that patient, patients can fill out, like past medical history, family history, medications, if they can kind of fill that out while they're in the waiting room, that can definitely save you a lot of time too. So that's it for the before visit. So in the visit, couple things that can save you some time. So I would get sucked into my, my visits were 20 minutes when I was a new grad and I would get sucked into a conversation for the full 20 minutes. So don't do that. Um, so one of the things that was just kind of like an aha, but it like makes complete sense is that one of my colleagues had recommended you know five minutes for your history five minutes for your physical exam five minutes for your plan of care and then five minutes for your note in reality I did not take five minutes to write my note I never got my notes done during the day when I was a new grad um, but I could at least break it down such that I was keeping very mindful of how long five minutes was because that's not very long at all so and that really kind of kind of helped cut down on like the chattiness and like the the kind of like winding conversations that you're having and kind of keeps you a little bit more pointed and directed when you've kind of had that self-imposed urgency. Um, And it it may feel rushed at first when you first start doing it, but the reason it's so wonderful to do is because, at least when I was a new grad, I would ask the history questions, do the physical exam, come up with a plan of care, which I made a whole video about that, but I would excuse myself from the room because I never knew what to do. I'd go look it up and I'd come back in, taking at least five minutes to do that. And when I came back in, I'd realized that I had other history questions I didn't ask about that I should have asked regarding shoulder pain or eye pain or something like that. And it also gave me the time to have that discussion with the patient, and they would reveal their doorknob questions, like all the questions that they were kind of saving for the end, even though I had to ask them three different times if I could help them with anything today, if they had any questions or concerns. So the doorknob questions typically happen when your hand's on the doorknob, Uh, so that saves some time. Uh, another thoughts are about the ROS. So if you're doing, especially physicals, physicals can be really overwhelming. I do ten physicals a day in my in my new job, which I didn't really realize going into it. But it's fine. i mean, I'm used to it now. But it's kind of a lot um, to do a physical, rather. So so people think that their physical is to uh, kind of unload all of their issues. At, have ever happened to them in the last year or in the 10 years since they've seen a doctor that is not the time and place however that's what people expect so what you can do and i I talk about this and how to make a plan of care is kind of setting some limits with them but also just making the decision of like you know what if you have multiple problems to address today um we can just do a problem-based visit and then the next time we can do the full physical exam because and people don't necessarily like to hear that however It's just, it's reasonable and it's not fair both for you and for them to address that, which I talk about in that video. So I won't get into it too much, but, um, you know, you can make that decision. If it's a physical today and you address too many problems, like just have them come back for another physical. Another thing to think about in terms of the physical is that the ROS, the review of systems, like I definitely do a full ROS in terms of all of the body systems. And if you saw my, um, video from before where I gave that patient visit cheat sheet, I wrote out all my complete ROSs, um, Uh, by system. I do not, I'm going to give a disclaimer and I really should have done this when I sent out that video, but my huge disclaimer is I do not ask all of those questions. I ask all of the systems, but I do not ask all of those questions because there is not enough time to ask all those questions. And also it brings up a lot of stuff. And so this is kind of a consensus um, with experienced clinicians is that if patients have something that is really bothering them, they're going to bring it up. So if you're, for example, you're doing like a cardiovascular review of systems, you know, you're having chest pain, palpitations, syncope, uh, edema, like those are pretty important to ask. And so I ask those, but if somebody's having nosebleeds, especially if they're frequent or even if they're infrequent, they're going to be like, you know, I'm having some nosebleeds. But if you go like, Oh, do you have any epistaxis? It's like, it's just, you, you have to, you have to come up with your own philosophy, but typically that's not just me. That's kind of like a shared mentality of like, let's ask about the most dangerous, most common items on the ROS, and then if people have something further, they can kind of volunteer that. Another thought about um, kind of like really long visits are if you have a new patient with multiple chronic comorbidities. So they have um, heart failure, CAD, um, they have diabetes, they have um, IBS, they have gout, like the list just goes on and on. Like they have like 10 to 17 chronic problems. Like the way that I work around that is that those things all need to be documented, right? So there's a past medical history section, which depending on how your system works, you need to have a problem list or a past medical history section, whatever. I would kind of put that in and I do put it in like the problem list section. Anyway, I put it into my EHR and I make notes about like diabetes diagnosed in 2010, taking insulin, um, variably controlled, has not seen endocrine, blah, blah, blah. That's in my PMH section, section. So I've asked all of those questions, but I, And it's it's documented, but I don't necessarily have to address it unless I'm doing something about at that visit does that make sense so um so for diabetes i'd probably include that because i'm asking about those alarm signs and symptoms because it's again it's like a triage thing right so if you have somebody comes in with diabetes like what are your blood sugars anything above 300 less than 70 um do you know the signs and symptoms of hyper and hypoglycemia um etc etc so you're kind of like taking the most important scary things and making sure that you're addressing those at that moment so if it's totally controlled you've asked all those history questions you can still put that one in the hpi but like IBS, for example, unless you're talking about dietary modification, um, making going into big explanations, you're, you're you're adding peppermint oil for them, something like that. That goes in the PMH. Like you can talk about it, but just kind of like brief updates about like what's going on with each of these things and like what's out of control right now. And it's hard because if you only have 15 minutes, or even if you have 30 minutes and they're a really complicated patient, like it's hard to ask all those questions, but just kind of doing your best of like only addressing in the HPI and the Plan of care, what you're going to do for each of them, and that's a philosophy thing. Like other people have different philosophies. Like I see notes sometimes where they address seven plus problems, but I really try to keep it four or less in terms of my assessment and plan because those need to be broken up. I mean that's just my personal opinion. And honestly, like in terms of billing, like it doesn't matter if you do more than four problems at a time. There, it's going to be a four anyway. I mean that's that's an aside, but um that's something to think about in terms of the chronic care always i always go to the alarm signs and symptoms for all of those problems especially so if there's multiples we're kind of like making sure that everything is safe right now what is the one or two things i'm going to do for you today and when am i going to have you come back so if that person has multiple cho- chronic comorbidities their blood pressure is out of control their a1c is out of control um you know they are having a gout flare that's really hard like you do have to address all of those problems however like the other things if it's just the diabetes that's out of control maybe the blood pressure address those today come back in a week, come back in a month for a full physical, whatever your plan of care is, and then just kind of take it from there. I'm not very good at time management. I have to work very hard at it. So um, one of the systems that I came up with, my medical assistant at my last job, is that she would close up the visits for me. So I would go in, do the uh, history, uh, exam, plan of care, go out, step out of the room, order any medications or lab tests or anything like that, and um, either review the plan of care with them, or if I hadn't reviewed it already, I'd go back in and tell them. Um, but if I had done that kind of like all at one time in the visit, as I got more experience and I didn't have to excuse myself to come up with that plan of care, um, she would come back in and do like kind of a checkout form. So our, we'd have a checkout form to go to the front desk and say, you know, follow up, uh, in a month, follow up in three months, um, uh, physical. And I would hopefully have said that already to my patient, but it's just kind of reinforcement because sometimes patients like need things said multiple times, you know, and they're going to have questions for you. Like, where's the pharmacy? Where is the where do I check out? Um, where is the lab? When should I come back? Like there's going to be a lot of questions that are not necessarily NP specific that if you can t- team up with your medical assistant and they can come in um, and help you with that, then um, you know, hopefully that can be really, Uh, helpful in terms of saving you some time. Another note about after the visit is the notes, of course, the notes, the notes. Um, I don't love writing patient notes, but I am obsessed with templates and quick text. So that is my number one tip for notes. So if you don't have quick text or templates or something that's pre-saved where you can input something uh, in terms of the HPI, like a blurb of all the questions you would ask for diabetes, hypertension, physical, stuff like that, or like a blurb you can put in for your plans of care for each of those patients, I highly, highly, highly recommend making those. Um, and as a uh, nice bonus to this episode, I actually have a, a cheat sheet you can you can download that has my uh, sampling of the quick text that I use and the assessment and plan uh, frameworks that I use for kind of like the main problems. You're welcome to use those and adapt them as you'd like. And then the other thing is um, just getting it done. Honestly, I would agonize. I would take forever to write my notes. I wish written it, I had written it down, I remember I was precepting uh, a new grad at my uh, former job and we were talking about and we're like, oh, how long do you, do you take to write your notes? I was like, I tried to like two to five minutes or less and they were like, oh. And I'm like, really, that's how long I take now because if I'm seeing 20 patients a day, like I don't have that time, you know, I have to spend that time doing all this other stuff. So, but when I was brand new, I'd probably spend at least 20 minutes on the note. You know, I did 20 minute visit, 20 minute note, like, and that's just not sustainable. And most of the time I was agonizing. And if you're not agonizing, it's probably because you don't know what to do with them, in which case, really, you need to reach out. And I'm such a broken record when it comes to mentoring, but definitely set that up if you don't have that already. And I really, really hope that your supervisors are open to that and they're willing to talk with you and meet with you and set aside some of that golden time so that you can save so much of your time agonizing over charts, looking a million things up that are just not necessarily there, that are clinical judgment things that you might not find in the notes, like that kind of stuff in the, in the in your resources. Um but anyway I, I uh had a you know my top 3 survival tips for the first year i talk a little bit about that how to set that up mentoring for your for yourself one more bonus tip for notes is that people um whether or not you have something fancy like a dragon software uh, where you i think that's what it's called where you um voice record your notes um some people i've talked to have used like just on their phone an app like i use evernote i really like that um or you can use like a text document I don't, i'm not an iphone person but on the iphones i guess they have their own note recording thing you can do like a voice text where you kind of like you know, doing your HPIs at least that way and kind of copying and pasting. Did you like this video? If so, hit like and subscribe and share with your NP friends so together we can reach as many new grads as possible to make their first years a little bit easier. And don't forget to sign up for uh, the ultimate resource guide for the new NP over at realworldnp.com. You'll get these videos sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, more helpful insights, and bonus content that I just don't share anywhere else. Uh, Definitely me a comment below this video. Um, What are some of the uh, time-saving hacks that you're using in your primary care practice. Uh, I'd love to hear them and so would the, uh, your other NP colleagues who come and watch these videos as well. Uh, and if you'd like that um, cheat sheet for my kind of like temp- quick tech templates that I use, it's not comprehensive, but it's kind of a sampling of the things that I use. And if you like it, you know, definitely let me know. But you can download that below this video as well.
0: That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review and tell all your NP friends. So together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible, give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week With notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.